I am very grateful for the uh, direction that the Lord took us this morning. And uh, sometimes he tells me ahead of time. Sometimes he just whispers in our hearts in the moment. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, man, I just... I love to be in a place where Jesus has freedom. Where it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are graced by the Lord to walk in His freedom, to enjoy Him. And there's a reason, one of the reasons, of course, is that we embrace the Word of God. We embrace the Word of God. We embrace the Bible as the Word of God. And we're living in a day in a culture where many are not. They're walking away. So anyway, I want to look at this uh, message uh, called God's Word Reveals. I have the funniest thing that happened just now. You know that little thing where you can turn it on and it starts to record what you're saying? Have you ever done that on your computer? I was looking down and said, what's all this stuff going on here? There. And it's it says right here, I have the funniest thing that happened just now. You know the it's it's all on there. Let's go to the, <laughs> We have a slide, the next slide. Let's pray this together. Let's with your heart. Let's just Think about, you can read through it. Father God, Jesus, I open my heart to know you as you have revealed yourself through your word. This is what we want to do. We want to know him the way he's revealed himself. We don't want another Jesus. There is a, another Jesus out there. It's a demon. It's the angel of light. And there's ministers of unrighteousness. And it's a lie and it will lead you away from the true and living God and all of the blessings of who he is. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except by him. And we embrace. So let's go ahead and pray that. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I open my heart to know you as you have revealed yourself through your word. Hallelujah. Next slide, Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, all scripture is breathed out. Would you just say that word, breathed out? This is an amazing, remarkable thing about the word of God. How many of you have found that you'll be reading the word? And this is, the, and I love to say it this way. I've said it this way for years, but the Bible is the only book that when you study it, it studies you. And that's why we come to it, you know, we come to it, it says it breathed out and profitable. So God is, is divine inspiration. He's put something in it. It's the, it's the, the life-giving power and quality of the, of the Word of God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the next slide says this, it says 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. But you know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture because it becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. It says, for no prophecy, look at this, was ever made by an act of human will. That book, this wonderful book, this powerful book, this Word of God, usually I, I read a lot now out of my electronic stuff, but Human ingenuity didn't do a thing with this. It doesn't come from human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This book is divinely inspired. And men spoke. Breathed into it. Therefore, Jude 1, 3 and 4 says, Beloved, 
although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, look at this. Now, look, Jude is the book right before the book of Revelation. It's an end times book. It's an everybody's end times. End times. We're in the end times. This is very necessary. So, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend for it. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They turn it into something else. Now here's reason why. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. I just want to cry. Because I know people that experienced, like Judas, experienced the miracle power of Jesus. I know people that have experienced the miracle power of Jesus and now say, he's not the way, he just showed the way. Devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. These are the days that we're in. The Spirit of God expressly says, but I love this one. This is my fav- one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. The reason I love this is because I asked the Lord one time. I was in a season uh, earlier on in my walk with the Lord where I was flowing in the Spirit. And I was uh, hearing from the Lord for people on a regular basis. And I wanted to get back into that. And the Lord, all he said was Hebrews four twelve and 13. He says, you get in this, watch this. For the word of the Lord is, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. Would you say this next part? Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you fill up your heart with this, this is the anointed book that discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And when you're full of this, guess what happens inside of your spirit relating to the people around you? The Spirit of God inside this book causes you to discern the thoughts and intentions. It's amazing. And then it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give account. This just case say, I love the Word of God. If you're a prodigal, if you've walked away, the Lord draws you to this book. It, this is the most amazing thing. He actually leads you to passages. The Holy Spirit, you'll be flipping through and he'll just go, he'll bring you to the passage. He's so loving. He's so caring. It's amazing. You know, there'll be a, a, you know, a prisoner in the prison that's in like lockdown, in, the, in a, like a, what do you call it, this? solitary, and they'll kick a Bible under their door and he kicks it back out. They kick a Bible under the door, kick it out. Kicks a Bible under the door and it doesn't come back out. The Holy Spirit goes in there with them. People's lives are transformed. Discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How many of you had the Lord do that for you? 
And God's word reveals that God is the creator of heaven. So I just kind of, I, I was looking at this, this theme. I wasn't going to call it this. And then I felt, you know what? The word of God just reveals so much. It just reveals. It reveals. It's a book that reveals. It reveals. It reveals what's going on in you. It reveals what's going on in the culture. It reveals the heart of God. It reveals the redemptive purposes. It reveals how it actually works. It reveals. It reveals. This is a a revelation. It's It's a revelatory book. There is no other book on the planet. None. This is the only one that has that divine inspiration in it that reveals things to your spirit and builds you up. Only one. So the Word of God reveals that God is the creator of heaven and earth who spoke all things into existence. On the Look at this. On the first day, on the very first day, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the deep. And everybody say, and God said. And God said. Now, we're introduced to the concept of the Word of God as being spoken by God. The Word of God spoken. The very first thing that we hear is it's spoken. Everybody say, the Word of God is spoken. And it creates life. It's a creative force. It's a creative power. Let there be light, and there was light. This next slide, I'll just go ahead and summarize. The second day, God speaks to earth and sky into existence. The third day, he speaks plants and trees into existence. The fourth day, he speaks day and night and seasons into existence. The fifth day, he speaks birds and fish and birds into existence. The sixth day, he speaks all the other animals into existence. And also on the sixth day, uh, he makes man... He declares, let's go ahead and look at the next slide. Genesis 1, then God said. Everybody say, then God said. It says, oh, let us make man in our image and our, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock of, every, uh, of all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Next slide, Genesis 1, Now here's the other powerful thing, and God blessed them. Everybody say that, God blessed Now God speaks blessing. He, st- he declares blessing, and this blessing is never left. In fact, when he redeems you, he gets you back into the being under this blessing. And he said, now he speaks again. He speaks, let God, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. They had a lot of babies. Cain and Abel weren't the only ones. They were just the ones that were named. Because how in the world are you going to go out and get a wife if there's none? Be fruitful. Everybody say, there was some fruitfulness going on. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and heavens, and every living that moves on the earth. He blessed them. Let's go ahead and look. Uh, God's redemptive uh, word reveals the redemptive history that comes through Jesus Christ to reconcile us to the Father. And this is the overarching theme. You have in Genesis, of course, you know, the fall of man after this. And then you have this... Uh, God beginning to speak, and we'll look a little bit of the beginning to speak and setting things in motion. And uh, so this arc of the redemptive history that happens, uh, Titus actually, Titus, I'm sure Titus over here is going to say, what? Titus 3, 3 through 7 says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy. One of my new favorite word. Everybody say mercy. Mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We go from being sin-sick, lost-bound sinners without hope in this world to being saved, healed, freed, daughters, sons and daughters, given eternal life through Jesus Christ with a divine calling and a purpose to fulfill. We come out of the kingdom of darkness, we're translated into the kingdom of sun, and we have an actual anointed purpose. Would you go ahead and just thank him for your anointed purpose? Hallelujah. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is every single thing that was ever broken, every experience you had with being bound, every single thing that you've gone through. You know, I was, I was saved at 17, but for 16 years I was bound. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was still bound. I had been broken into demonic powers. I had all kinds of harassing thoughts, all kinds of stuff. I hated myself, head or nose. I had, I had when I look at... I've said this before, but when I look at Mary Magdalene and she only had seven demons, I'm like, you got off easy. Good night. I, I lost count. I lost count. I don't think I was legion because <laughs> I, was, I wasn't in my right mind, but I did have my clothes on. <laughs> Hallelujah. God re- God's word reveals the covenants from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, there's five main ones. There's Noah, the covenant there. Then we start with the blood covenants, Abraham. How many remembers what happened with Abraham? God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and he kind of like puts him out. He's asleep. After, after he's put the animals there and cut them in half, you know that little thing on your phone that looks like an eight? It's the infinity. God comes down and he walks, that's number eight, that infinity sign. He walks through, there's a, there's a, there's a like a, a just a, a flame of fire. He comes and walks through it. See, what's, what's going on here is years ago in the cultures, let's say you were from a tribe that you were really, really good at cooking, at, at growing beans, but you couldn't protect them. And uh, I'm from a tribe that was really good at killing people. But we couldn't grow beans. <laughs> so we enter into a covenant. And there's a cutting of a covenant on our, the hands. You know, you, 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 and then the blood flows together and we make these decrees. And now that's stronger than your actual relatives. So when, somebody, when the bean guys selling the beans go into town and the, the bad guys looking over and they reach out to do a transaction selling beans, they see that mark, they go, ooh, they got to deal with this other group of warriors because they see that. See that? Now, what's going on is he puts Abraham out. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is a mature group. The, the, the mark of the covenant was circumcision. Circumcision. So there was some blood involved. In the New Testament, it's circumcision of the heart. But later, as we'll see, Jesus on the cross, and I'll put up a slide about this. He was cutting covenant for God as God and man in his own body. 
for me and you. Whew. And then we have Moses coming along, and Moses is going to lead them in, uh, out of bondage. And now we have the whole concept of where the Passover comes from. You take the sacrificial lamb, and you take the blood, and you put it over the doorpost of the heart. The, the heart house, doorpost of the house. And the death angel comes, and the blood that's on the doorpost, they don't, there's nobody dies in that house. It just passes over. And this is so ingrained into the culture because that's the reason that they could pass through. Now, now they're delivered and they go into the, the promised land. And this is a profound thing. The shedding of blood. Everybody say the shedding of blood. It's key. It's key. Now we have uh, David's covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. But I want to just chat for a minute about um, Rahab. So now you've got Moses has died off. You've got uh, Joshua and Caleb are the only guys that are now with this the group in the wilderness. I'll still never forget when uh, Dove, our bus driver, when we were in Israel. He, you know, it's funny when you're driving, we're driving down to the D Dead Sea and he's just mumbling because the guy, he was a great tour guide. And everybody's like, you know, in the bus like, and there's Dove, his name's Dove. He's just still talking. He goes, I just don't get it. The wilderness is so small. How could they wander around in there for 40 years? They just went in circles. It was a very small desert. It's not like they got 40 years to travel. They could got there in like several days. <laughs> but they just had to keep going around in circles. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, anyway, now that, that, that group dies off because they were... They, they, they rejected the good report of the promised land. And now you've got Joshua and Caleb. And then he's got, now they're uh, going to go in and they're going to have some spies sent in. And they go and check out Jericho. And these guys sneak in there. And they go in and they're in uh, this big city. And now, you know, of course, there's this uh, Rahab uh, is a prostitute who apparently that's her business because she's got kids and got like her parents, whatever, everybody's with her. And, and uh, she sees these uh, spies and hides them from being found out by the uh, officials in Jericho. And they, they hide them in her house. And then she, they, they said, here's what we want you to do. And these guys weren't even there when it happened, but it was so ingrained in the culture. They said, see this rope? And they got this scarlet, everybody say, the scarlet thread. The scarlet thread, this rope, it's, it's this red looking rope. And they said, you got to, when we come back, you're going to be uh, rescued. And this is an amazing thing. So this is what they say. This, first of all, the, uh, they hearken back to Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be assigned to you, the house is where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over. No plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So then they're hearkening back to that. So in Joshua 2 they're saying to her in verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall hide this scarlet cord in the window and uh, tie the scarlet cord in the window which, we, uh, which you let us down and you, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mothers, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out the doors of your house to, your, to the street, the blood shall be on their own head and we are guiltless. But if a, if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, the blood shall be on our head. But if, uh, if I tell you this 
business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made to us. Now, she's the one that literally said, I have heard the report of your God, and he is stronger than our God, and I want to go with him. She already put faith in the living God, the God of Israel, and they picked up on that. And so they said, uh, according to your words, she said, according to your words, so be it, And then they sent him away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord to the window. This is the most amazing thing. But when they go around, you know, it's the six days, they come and then on the seventh day they march around and they shout and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Everything comes down except her dwelling. The blood. The sign of the blood. I'll pass over. This is another scripture that reveals the heart of God. Just like with Ruth. Just like with people in another culture. That when they see the true and living God through Jesus Christ, he honors them and makes a way for them. Did he make a way for you? You were afar off. And there was something about this God that was real. Dynamically alive. You could see the changes. How many of you saw somebody that was one way and then they came to Jesus and they changed? And you see the the testimony of the work of the Spirit of God in someone and you realize, I've known them all my life. They could never change. They've tried to change, but now they've changed. And they're living a better life. They come from darkness into light because of what Jesus is doing. It's that work of the blood. It's that work of the blood. It's that work of the blood. By the way, let's go ahead and claim the culture around us for Jesus. Let's claim it. Lord, we claim every soul in Fairmont or every soul in Northwest Virginia. We ask for redemptive. We claim them by the power of the blood to come to know Jesus, no matter how far off they are right now. We claim them in Jesus' name. We ask that you would destroy the yokes of bondage in their life. We ask that you would open the prison doors. Let Lord, we ask you to break addictions in Jesus' name. We ask that you break the powers of abuse in Jesus' name. We ask that you would uproot bitter roots in Jesus' name. We ask that the mercies of God would flow like a river and cause people to forgive so that the anointing will set them free. We ask for a great spirit of repentance fill our land. That people will renounce and disown everything that has to do with open doors to the adversary. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Did you know Rahab married a guy named Salmon and they gave birth to Boaz? And it's amazing. Boaz married a Ruth. Rahab married a Jewish man and had a little baby. It was Boaz. She's the great, great, great grandmother of David. Redemptive purpose brought in because she had faith in the God of Israel. Let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's ask for that kind of faith to be released. Praise you, Jesus. And of course, all of it, all of it, this next slide, all of it goes to this. I put this in a New Living Translation, the very last covenant in the Bible. The day is coming, says the Lord, 
Jeremiah 33, 31 through 34. Everybody say, new covenant. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. Next slide. Let's read this aloud. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. I've heard this story this testimony over and over, over the years. Somebody comes to the Lord and they're still burdened by a sin that they've wrestled with. They still feel the guilt of it, even though they're walking in freedom, they just feel like condemned. They come to the Lord and Jesus in so many words, says, what are you talking about? I don't remember. I don't remember. Jesus doesn't remember your sins. I don't remember. Because his blood was shed. And they're under the blood. Why would he want to remember something he died to forget? Receive his forgiveness. Receive the depth of his cleansing. In Jesus' name, be free, be free, be free, be free. I have that picture of this next one. I just wanted to put that up there. It was Jim Caviezel's act of uh, playing the, but that covenant with God and man all happening in Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. God's Word reveals who God is through the multitude of names that define His character. There's a bunch of names in the Old Testament. Adonai Jehovah, the Lord our Sovereign. Uh, you can all read down there. You know, many of you know some of the uh, different uh, stories behind each of these names. But what happened is the Lord... Look, we need to have a name to call out to. And God says, I'm going to show you who I am. And so you have these personal experiences with people 
that God defines who he is. And we have the string of names, and they all point to Jesus. All of them do. Then we have the New Testament names of Jesus Christ. The bread of life, Emmanuel, God with us, line of Judah. The way, the truth, the life, Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Savior. So we have the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We have all these names that show his absolute sovereign power and authority over all. I want to just talk about one of them real quick. Let's go to the blank slide. Um, so Abraham, or Abram at the time, is told by God that he's going to have a promised child. And, um, you know, Sarah, she uh, gets ahead of it. It's really amazing how the Lord, and he does this with us too. He'll do the same thing with us. What he does is he waits until there's absolutely nothing that they can do to make the promise come to pass. Have you ever found that God is kind of sneaky that way? He makes sure you're empty of anything, of any, all you have is the promise and no ability to do anything about it. And that's, that's the faith of Abraham. He called those things that are not as though they were. But in the process there, Sarah jumps the gun. And she says, she has this mistress named Hagar. Any, most of you remember there was a cartoon and Hagar was some kind of a pirate or something. Anyway, so let's don't think about that guy. It's too late. So Hagar, so she says to Abraham, take my mistress and have the promised child through this mistress. Well, he does. She gets pregnant. The moment she's pregnant... She looks at Sarah, and there's this female squabble thing goes on, and she's like, ha, 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 I got the baby, you don't. And this contempt goes on. Now, Hagar is involved in this family dysfunction, not of her, except she's obeying the people that are in the family, and she didn't create the problem. She submitted to the headship of the house, and now she is the problem. And Abraham doesn't do anything. He just says, whatever, you, you started this, Sarah, you tell her what to do. And she says, get out. And now she's out in the wilderness, pregnant, and by like a little well where there's some water, and she's just sitting there. And God reveals himself. An angel of the Lord shows up. And actually prophesies, tells her, you go back under that roof and do whatever they tell you to do. But I'm going to cause your seed to multiply too. Do you know that's where they, all the conflict has come from over there? But apart from that, he fulfilled the need in Hagar. Now, Ishmael means he listens or God hears. But she names, go back with the other names, 
uh, the Hebrew names back. It's this one, El Roi, the God who sees. The God who sees. I felt the Lord draw me to this. And I think it's very fitting because she needed great comfort. And she went down a pathway and got in trouble with the... Anyway, the Lord initiated the spirit of comfort today. And I was wondering why, why did I feel drawn to this particular name? And I believe it's this. No matter what you're going through, no matter how unjust you feel, no matter what the struggle is, the Lord God is the God who sees you and knows exactly where you are and you're not alone and he has promise for you and he's going to fulfill that promise for you. Let's go ahead and praise him right now for the Lord sees where you are in the midst of your struggle. He sees and he's got marching orders for you because he is the God who sees and he will guide you and give you instruction and you will come to a place of fruitfulness because he sees and he says so. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord right now. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's get loud about it. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Praise you, Lord. God reveals his heart as the God who sees you. He reveals his heart. The book is full of revelation of who God is. He reveals your heart when he speaks to you. God reveals that he has an ultimate destiny for you and me. And God's word reveals that there's a pathway of empowerment through the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in our lives. Would you go ahead and just pray in the spirit just for a minute or just fill the room up with a spirit of gratitude before the Lord? Lord, we thank you that you're the God of comfort. We thank you that you're the God who sees. And I thank you, Lord, for a people that want to know you according to the reality of who you truly are, according to what your word says. I pray that there would be no deception in anybody here. I want to ask one other thing. If you have spoken any negative thing about yourself, to yourself, I want to give you the opportunity to allow the forgiveness of Jesus to flow in and through you and you would receive a washing away of every negative thing that you've ever spoken about your own life. Would you open your heart to the Lord and say, here's my heart because of the blood covenant. I'm asking now that the rivers of mercy would flow into my spirit and flow into my mind flow into my soul. I repent for speaking negative things. Say that. I repent for speaking negative things contrary to your heart for me. I am sick and tired of anything that is a curse out of my own lips. I thank you for the power of the blood to break it now and release me from all of negative words or curses that I have spoken. Let's praise him right now. Just praise him. Say, Lord, I don't want to give place to that. I want to know who you are. We're never going to be. Never, never, never. Never negative thing again. In the name of Jesus. This is not who God is. God does not speak negative things about your personality. 
He doesn't say stuff like that. He releases you. It doesn't matter what kind of trial you've been through. He doesn't do that. He is the only hope you have. Take his spirit. Prophesy from his spirit. The good things. How many of you have promises in the word of God? He's already given you. It's time to camp on them and time to be in them and time to lay hold of them and let them take deep root in you and let them produce fruit. Because his word reveals him, you, your heart, his heart causes you to transform right in front of him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I pray that you break every negative, cursing thought. We come against every demonic harassment that would promote such things. And we turn to you completely. And we thank you for the washing of your blood over our hearts and minds. Hallelujah. We place all of our faith in you for salvation, for cleansing, for wholeness, for freedom in every way. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to dismiss it. Uh, If you have never given your heart to the Lord, we're here for that. We want to lead you to Jesus. There's other uh, prayer concerns that may be on your heart as we dismiss. As we do, we have the most... I just looked at the altar and I felt like the Lord flashed. He says, I've had people down here over 120 years. I've touched people at this altar over 120 years. This is a place we meet with the Lord. If you've got something going on you want to do, isn't it good to come down? When it's, when it's needed, God just shows up down here. You're dismissed. Love on each other. Hallelujah.